This episode is brought to you by Light Sources Incorporated, your global UVC lighting solutions partner. More on Light Sources Incorporated later in the show. Hey all, this is Dan Spicer from the IUVA Wavelength Podcast, here to introduce what will end up becoming a series of podcasts all related to an upcoming IUVA sanctioned event called Achieving Consensus on Applying GUV in Public Spaces. This event will be happening from June 6th to June 8th down at the ASHRAE headquarters in Georgia. This is the first section of the podcast where I'll be interviewing three individuals and we hope to have at least two or three more follow-up podcast recordings related to this event. Here's the first one. I hope you enjoy it and there'll be a few more to come. Thanks. Hi, this is Dan Spicer from the IUVA uh, Wavelength Podcast, and today we've got three great guests um, who would like to speak to us about the upcoming AHR IUVA Joint Conference. Uh, I've got Troy Cowan, uh, Diane Poster, and Dr. Richard Martinello. Um, if you folks would say hi and give it a little bit of background about yourself, so that'd be great. Want to start with you, Diane, please? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Dan, for this opportunity to be here today and, and talk to the podcast listeners. Really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Diane Poster, and I'm a senior advisor at the National Institute of Standards and Technology, known as NIST, which is an agency within the Department of Commerce. I've been at NIST for over two decades as a research chemist, and I support emerging research and development for needs for measurement, standards, technology, and data. And this has included areas of radiation physics and chemistry and material science and engineering and optical metrology. So I'm definitely a NIST family member for life, and I hope going forward to be there a couple more decades and supporting all of our critical needs for the nation in, in areas such as uh, ultraviolet measurements. Very good. Thank you. Uh, Troy. Good, good afternoon. I'm Troy Cowan. I'm the uh, coordinator and facilitator for the IUVA Healthcare Working Group. Uh, been at this about eight years working with Rick Martinello and, and about six years with with Diane. And we're just trying to uh, get some standardized governance out there for the germicidal UV industry. and. Uh, Glad to be a part of this effort. Thank you. Thanks, Troy. Dr. Marnell? Yeah. Well, thank you, Dan, and thank you for having us. Uh, I'm Rick Martinello. I'm an infectious disease physician at the Yale School of Medicine in New Haven, Connecticut. And I have been part of the uh, IUVA Healthcare Working Group now, uh, working closely with uh, Troy and with uh, Dr. Diane Poster uh, for many years. Um, I'm very excited uh, to be here because of the importance of uh, the use of UV in disinfection in healthcare, and I look forward to uh, the rest of our discussion and, and an exciting meeting coming up. Great. Thanks, Rick. Um, so would any one of you like to jump in and kind of give me an idea of what this upcoming conference in June regarding the AHR and IAVA is all about? It's a workshop more than it is a conference where we're trying to get 
upwards of 100, 125 people involved in the germicidal UV industry to come together and better define and prioritize the issues that we need to be addressing, put those into a set of objectives and then translate those objectives into a set of actionable plans that will guide the industry for the next five to 10 years. Very good. Uh, anything to add, uh, Diane or Rick? Yeah, this is uh, Diane and absolutely, thank you. And I think having this workshop in Atlanta with the IUVA and ASHRAE and having our partners engaged, such as Dr. Mello, Dr. Martinello from Yale University and, and NIST is, is really beneficial to bring stakeholders together to help talk about the needs for ultraviolet technology and disinfection at, at the rapid pace that it's been growing in, in the industry with innovation and how, how plans can be used to build a strategy through consensus building at the workshop to help us go forward to help commercial and government agencies engage in a, in a way to bring the positive benefits that it can for the environment. Great, good, good segue for my next question here actually. So for the three of you, uh, what appeals most about GUV technology, so Jurisdictional UV technology, and its its potential and applications uh, within this this application or this space? Yeah, I, Rick, I, why don't you go first? Thanks. Um, I think something that's so important is that. Uh, you know, we we have had, I think, a good understanding of the germicidal properties of ultraviolet light for many, many decades. And even today, though, we we see it underutilized where it could really bring its benefit. And I think, you know, our experience, not only with healthcare associated infections that I see on a day to day basis, but also um, how, you know, just our experience with COVID. You know, it really drives that we have other opportunities to think about how we use this technology um, in, you know, to create safer public places, whether those are, you know, grocery stores or hospitals or um, you know, other locations such as schools. And I think something that's very attractive to me is that uh, ultraviolet light not only being effective, an effective germicide, but it's one that is, is chemical free. It is one that uh, allows us to provide disinfection of air, of surfaces, of water, without having to add additional chemicals to those surfaces, which may have uh, expense and untoward uh, adverse consequences associated with them. And so it really gives us a, you know, a, a another um, uh, option for creating safer spaces. Diane, or anything else to add to that? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the great things about having this workshop and bringing people together is that in the area of ultraviolet technology and applications, as Dr. Martinello pointed out, and as uh, Troy has mentioned, that the industry is innovating very quickly, and this is very key to its success. And going beyond the capabilities that we have today through innovation and research and development, will really help to bring in new ideas in areas now that now where we are in the environment for using ultraviolet in different areas, especially in public spaces and practices such as sharing dose and materials interactions and uh, data that are useful for establishing testing protocols for specific environments. 
are all topics that are evolving very quickly along with the innovation. And at this workshop, we'll have an opportunity to bring all that together and really build build a plan to think how that can be coordinated in a uniform way. Hmm. Great. Um, considering that you three are sort of um, the foundational group, a portion of the foundational group that founded um, the working group, um, and that began back in 2018, what's been your biggest surprise? What's been the, the, the best revelation out of this this group? And and honestly, this really isn't your first event you're hosting. This is probably your third, if I recall correctly. I, I for me, the the biggest um, I don't want to say surprise, but uh, what has made what has really pleased me the most is to see uh, their participation and the interest uh, from industry, uh, from those in academic settings, uh, you know, from the federal government. And to see how everybody is working together toward those same goals, you know, recognizing the potential benefit of EV, how it can be more widely used, and you know, thinking about what those barriers are that and trying to overcome those barriers. It's it's really been a, an amazing team effort. Troy, hmm. Diane. Let me build on that because it has been a team effort. It is a team effort. And the the contributions of everybody uh, uh, has been so so spontaneous. It's really been uh, uh, awe-inspiring almost. We've got organizations working together to make this happen. What you mentioned ASHRAE, ASHRAE is, is kindly hosting the conference for us. And we we can't say say thank you enough, but we've also got contributions from other organizations such as IES that have been working with us on brand new physics standards for GUV. We've got ASHRAE itself is working on uh, HVAC standards that involve UVC. We've got NEMA working on labeling standards, working with us. We've got NELCO working on uh, installation and technician certification courses. Uh, we've got NIST. NIST put on a tremendous workshop for us in 2020. And, and it's, it's international. When Rick held his uh, workshop for us at Yale back in when, 2019, Rick? 2018, I think. 2018, we had people show up from Uruguay that wanted to play. It's, it's been a fantastic team exercise. Diane? Yeah, I agree. As both my colleagues have called out, it's really about partnerships and partnerships and, and the way that we're working together through the, from the different sectors, industry with our academic partners, with our, our federal agencies, and talking about shared capabilities, shared types of uh, testing and measurement capabilities, calibration services, for example, from NIST, and engaging with our industrial partners in, in the ways that we might not have capabilities at NIST and also with our academic partners through their research. This really helps to bring together a, a community through um, public-private partnerships really to nurture our community and to help identify shared challenges that we can all solve together. Awesome, very, very good. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Light Sources Incorporated, your global UVC lighting solutions partner. With over 38 years of lamp manufacturing experience, Light Sources is a key partner and supplier of germicidal UVC lamps to hundreds of OEMs globally. Whether your application is water, air, or surface disinfection focused, Light Sources Incorporated has the expertise to help make your design become a reality. To learn more about what Light Sources can do for your business, check out www.light-sources.com. Jumping back kind of into your your viewpoints and your perspective on, on the UV industry at large, um, what would any of you say the biggest barrier to uh, wide-scale adoption or implementation or deployment would be? You know, I think one barrier you know, that I see is that this technology technology has not yet been incorporated into building standards, into other guidelines. And it's in some guidelines that I see in the healthcare setting, uh, you know, they do acknowledge uh, UV uh, and similar technologies uh, can be useful. But I think we haven't really developed, um, you know, there's still room to develop more of an understanding of how it fits in. And I think, some of the push that we need are is work already being done uh, with many of the organizations, you know, that, uh, you know, Troy had mentioned, you know, of course, with NIST also, and really better understanding uh, and developing standards around how these devices are designed, how they're, they're tested, and how uh, people who may be using them understand how to, uh, how to use them to optimize, you know, their benefit. I think with that, you know, we're going to see it integrated more into guidelines and standards. And I think that's really going to help um, uh, get UV uh, into an area where it's going to be most beneficial. Hmm. All right, or Diane? Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd like to build on that as well, because uh, it's really talking about standardization and how that helps to ensure everyone is capturing and reporting the same data and information is really essential. And I think that's that's really core to what Dr. Martinello talked about, that the, the uniformity of practice is essential. <clears throat> and we're getting there as a community, but it's things like this workshop and our past events that we've had and how we're building to this consensus building activity that will take place in Atlanta that that's really been helping to come together to achieve that uniformity of practice. The other thing is uh, um, UV has for a long time suffered from a PR problem. It's folks typically call it UV radiation and just the word radiation scares well, people. Doesn't help things. You can't see it, you can't feel it, but it's hurting you. Um, but folks stop to realize that we live in a an irradiated world. Solar radiation is the same as UV radiation. It's part of the electromagnetic spectrum. So, uh, a large part of what we're about is trying to 
take off the the unknown, make it more comfortable. So if folks are uh, are at ease when they're in a UV treated area. Hmm. Airports are becoming UV treated areas. Um, I look forward to when we have uh, schools treated with UV. Uh, we can not only cut back on COVID-19, we cut back on flu, measles. If you, uh, there's, there's new things coming around the corner and I'll let Rick, Rick speak to Candida Auris. New things coming that we don't know what chemicals work, but we know that UV works. Interesting. So it sounds, sounds kind of like from your perspective, the group's perspective, it's kind of a double-edged uh, or two-pronged approach where we need to work, work to develop uh, unified standards to help everyone have a kind of an understanding of, of the playing field that we're operating within. But as well, uh, we need to have better uh, outreach to the mainstream regarding um, the technology and, and, and its benefits. And um maybe dispelling some of the myths about it or misunderstandings. Um, Rick, it, it, kind of leading into what, what Troy had said, do you want to maybe talk briefly about uh, maybe pathogens or it, it, emerging pathogens of, of concern that maybe you're keeping an eye on these days? Yeah, uh, th thanks, Dan, for that question. And thanks, Troy. Um, th we, we have a serious problem, and it's a, really a global problem with antimicrobial resistance. And antimicrobial resistance is just that. It's you know when the, the microbes that cause uh, uh, harm to humans, microbes that cause harm to animals uh, are becoming re resistant. And in many respects, we see a great deal of uh, resistance to the uh, antibiotic medications that we have available not, and not only use among humans, but also our play a large role in agriculture and in animal health. And uh, this is a critical problem. And in fact, you know, during the Obama administration, it was recognized as a, uh, you know, really a threat to the security of the United States. And, you know, we saw the development of some international collaboration um, on this issue. UV potentially plays a significant role in this because uh, it is effective in um, killing many of these pathogens that we're concerned about, whether on, they're on the surface of uh, and on a material, whether they're in the water, whether they're in, in the air. And uh, our uh, microbes uh, are much less likely to become resistant to these. We have not seen any significant resistance to ultraviolet light when it's used uh, for disinfection. And you know, one of the pathogens that we uh, have a, an enormous concern for right now uh, that's a growing problem in the United States and globally is that of Candida auris, as Troy mentioned. And this is a uh, fungus that uh, can cause uh, serious diseases in humans. Uh, it's already been uh, noted to have a high uh, risk for death in those who, who develop infections with it. And unfortunately, it is resistant to many of the common uh, antifungal medications that we use. 
and unfortunately is known to not only heavily contaminate uh, the environment in hospital rooms and nursing home rooms where patients uh, have may, uh, may be affected by this fungus, uh, but also it is very difficult to effectively clean the surfaces in those rooms and eradicate the presence of this, this uh, uh, fungus. And so uh, we do know that uh, UV light can be effective against it and disinfect it, um, but we need to uh, really think about what those barriers are and overcome those barriers that prevent us from more widely using ultraviolet light in those healthcare settings where candidiasis is becoming an increasing problem. Very good. So we kind of have a good idea of, of where UV can help, um, what it's currently doing, the kind of the pitfalls it's currently experiencing, and then how we may overcome those pitfalls and, and, and kind of spread the word, so to speak. Um, so with the last few minutes of our, our uh, interview here, I'd like to uh, kind of pick your brains, um, uh, lay out for those who don't have an idea of the structure and the potential hoped outcomes of the June meeting at, uh, at the AHR, the ASHRAE um, headquarters. If, if one of you or all of you would like to chime in and give me, so primarily I'm looking for information on how will this meeting be structured and what are your desired outcomes? The key is, like I mentioned earlier, it's a workshop. Mm -hmm. We want everybody to come and participate. We want to pick everybody's brains that come to the meetings, both in person and virtually. Uh, we want to grow the communal expertise and the, the communal enthusiasm for progressing the, the technology and bringing together the actions that we need to overcome these barriers, to overcome the PR stuff, to overcome the, uh, uh, um, the reticence among the building industry uh, designers to incorporate it, all those things. How do we do that in a prioritized way? That that builds on the consensus of everybody involved in GUV. Director Diane, any other comments on your uh, what you hope for in terms of outcomes for this upcoming meeting, um, and any uh, information on kind of how it'll be structured? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's as as Troy mentioned, it's really an opportunity where we're building on activities that we've had in the past to use information from those activities and look at the current activities now, especially as we're post-pandemic, post-COVID-19, and thinking about bringing together the best and the brightest minds to, to really think about ultraviolet technologies being used in spaces, especially in public spaces, as Troy mentioned. And it's really looking at the scope beyond beyond our borders. It is an international activity, as Troy mentioned, the airports and the use of ultraviolet technologies there. And it, it, this is a, a global topic. And this event in Atlanta will really help to bring together ideas and approaches to help reduce the risk of spreading infection. And I hope everyone will join us who are listening. Great, Rick. 
Yeah, uh, not much more to add to that, but I, I, I think what um, I'm most enthusiastic about is the diversity of opinions that are going to be brought together. And, you know, for, for those who are listening, we, we, we really need your voice, uh, what your experience has been, the barriers that you've seen in bringing UV into your area or, or others' uh, areas. And, uh, you know, think about uh, some of the feedback we received from our, our Cincinnati meeting this past year and how we should prioritize uh, the problems that we recognize and start working on developing uh, solutions and action plans for those barriers. Rick, you hit it right on the nose. It's, it, it's getting everybody we can around the table so we can build build true consensus on which, which things have highest priority, which things will get us further down the road quickest. And it's all about getting GUV out into public spaces to reduce pathogen load. Basically, it's all about saving lives. Very good. Thanks, Troy. Um, so to kind of wrap up here, um, and, and Troy, thanks for kind of initiating this this series of episodes. We're hoping to do at least one or two more, uh, if time permits, between now and, and the, the June conference. But um, in the meantime, uh, Troy, can you give me a, a good plug of the event, the dates and location one last time so our listeners have an idea of what it is we're talking about here? June 6th through 8th, two and a half days at ASHRAE headquarters, Atlanta. Uh, registration website should should be up by uh, uh, April 1st. And uh, the, the in-person attendance is going to be capped at about 125. That's how many we, we can accommodate. Virtual is um, come one, come, come all. But we do encourage in-person per, in participation if you can. Fantastic. Students, too. Very good. Um, if you want, you can go ahead and say there's free ice cream there, perhaps, if you want to draw uh, additional crowds to the uh, event. Any, any free ice cream coming to the event? No free ice cream. Okay, never mind. Well, <laughs> there won't be free ice cream, but... Jeff, uh, we will have free, um, there will be no registration fee for students to attend online, and we great. hope they take advantage of that. Fantastic. Great to know. Great. All right. Well, um, this has been a really informative and and really uh, great discussion. I, I thank all three of you. Uh, one last time, uh, Dr. Diane Poster, uh, Troy Cowan, and Dr. Martinello. Thank you for um, for joining the Waveling podcast, um, and we will certainly be following up with you down the road and uh, look forward to uh, uh, supplying you folks out there with uh, at least hopefully one or two more episodes before that June conference. Uh, so thank you again, all three of you. Thank you. Thank you. A few follow-up thoughts or concluding thoughts on this podcast and a few more that are to come regarding the ASHRAE IEVA joint conference occurring down in Georgia on June 6th to June 8th. It's important to point out that um, students can attend this virtually for free. So please spread the word and let your students in your life, academics in your life know this. Uh, the conference page is up on the IEVA website. If you would like to register, check out the IEVA website and you'll find the registration link there. 
And as it pertains to the intro outro music we use in this week's episode and pretty much every episode, we want to thank Stephanie Gora and Justin Dossett for the music. Thanks again for listening and talk to you soon.